Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. This is the Skate Podcast, talking Bruins hockey with WEI Bruins writers Scott McLaughlin, Bridget Prue, and Brian DeFelice. Lace them up for some beast talk. It's Odyssey's The Skate Pod on WEI. Welcome into episode 233 of the Skate Podcast. I'm Brian DeFelice, joined by Scott McLaughlin. Bridget Prue is not with us today. She is she's a busy bee and she's she's working, I believe. Yeah, she's she's yeah, broadcasting. She's, she's off off to Yale for uh two games this weekend. Yeah, so she can't join us today, but she'll be back next episode. Um last night the Bruins fell to the Anaheim Ducks in overtime. They fall to six, I say fall, but they're now six oh and one on the season. Opening shifts, Scott. Clear the puck. Just clear the puck. Like, duh, that like that they had that game literally on their stick no fewer than a handful of times to get clears and just couldn't do it. I mean, Charlie Coyle completely whiffs on a clear. Pavel Zaka has, like, the shift from hell where three times in 15 seconds he has the puck. Two are soft backhanders that easily get picked off. Um, another one, he holds onto it too long and gets it stripped, and that's that ends up being like right before the tying goal, so or right before the three to two goal rather. And then after that, you know, the next shift, David Pasenak, chance to clear, tries flipping it out, glove down at the line. Uh, Hampus Lindholm, twenty seconds left. Hampus Lindholm has it on his stick behind the net. Throws it right at Troy Terry. A couple seconds later, Troy Terry's thrown into the front and goes in off Marshan's stick and ties the game. Like, it's just – it's one of those things where it's like you almost can't get too mad about it because it's like how many times a season are you going to have to worry about, like, five different players having a chance to clear and not being able to do it? But, boy, oh, boy, does it lead to, to one frustrating loss for Thursday night. Yep, absolutely. And, you know, it's kind of like flashbacks to, to late last spring when you have some late leads and you give them up. But obviously it's a totally different situation. It's a different time of the season, different team. But you have to you have to essentially learn how to close out these games. And you look at the Bruins record this year, last year combined in the regular season, clearly they know how to do that. So this is a game like last night's an anomaly, at least in the regular season. But, yeah, it just, you know, these guys are these guys are too too leaned on too experienced to be to be uh faltering like that uh for me scott i guess my question is you know through uh the first seven games of the season um the bruins are 
13th in the league uh, in goals for, and they are ninth in the league in even strength scoring. So they have 18 even strength goals for power play goals. I think their power play is around 16%. And there's a narrative going around out there that the Bruins at five on five aren't scoring enough or not creating enough. And I, I think there's some merit to that for sure. But if you actually look at the numbers, I believe, you know, at 16%, you know, they have 18 even strength goals and four power play goals. Um, unless it's a shorthanded goal in there somewhere. I don't know. But um, yeah, I guess my point is if, if the Bru- if this Bruins team stays on this traje- trajectory where they're, you know, the top half of the league in goals for and, and even strength scoring, um, you know, does this team have enough offense to to be a, a legitimate team in the spring? Because we know how good their defense and goaltending is. So if they're a top half team in the league in scoring, um, they the 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 numbers would would suggest that this team can score enough. And that it's in fact it's kind of the power play that needs to pick pick up the slack rather than the even strength scoring. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Uh, just to dig even further, like if you look at five on five chances, the Bruins are top ten in the and this is all per sixty minutes, so it's you know rate stats same for everyone. Uh, Bruins are top ten in shot attempts, shots on goal, expected goals scoring chances and high danger chances at five on five. Like if this team's going to be top, a top 10, five on five offense, you know, right now, like their shooting percentage is a little low. Like their shooting percentage is middle of the pack. If they're going to create chances like that, I think that that's fine. Like that's solid. That's exactly where you need to be. You don't have to be first in the NHL and five on five offense because you should have the defense and goaltending. And we all knew coming into the year, you're going to need special teams. Their penalty kill has been there all season, pretty much. You're, you know, that, like, the power play has to get going. The, the talent level is there in the power play. They're, there's only a couple teams, maybe four or five, that can trot out a, a more talented five-man top unit than the Bruins can. But as we saw down the stretch last year, they went cold and struggled to kind of figure it out, get back on track. I thought they started this year slow. Then they had a stretch where it looked like they were starting to figure it out. Uh, you know, I think they had like three power play goals in two or three games during the West coast trip. And now it's slowed down again. I thought, you know, I thought the one they had in the third period last night, which had they scored would have extended the lead to four to one and, really probably would have ended the game. That was with under 10 minutes left in regulation. That was actually a good looking power play. They had some clean entries with speed. They were moving the puck. Um, you know, Pasenak had a one-timer that just about beat Gibson, but catches him right under the armpit. Uh, Hambus Lindholm had a drive to the net. There was like another scramble in front. Um, but ultimately they end up with, you know, without the goal there. So, yeah, I think if the power play picks it up and looks like that more consistently, they're going to score more. And then you're going to be looking at a really solid offensive team. So there's always stuff to work on five on five for sure. Like you're, you're never truly satisfied, but they've been pretty solid so far. Yeah. And it's deceiving because the first couple of games of the year, I think heading into that, that West coast trip, like, 
I think they had like two even strength goals through the first couple of games, two or three games, whatever. But it was the power play that was kind of, you know, igniting them to, to some of those early victories. And so in, in your mind, again, we're only seven games into the year, right? So it's easy to, to think back to those first couple of games and be like, yeah, it was five on five was a slow start, but the power play was clicking a little bit earlier on. But as the last, you know, five games have kind of progressed now, it's, it's kind of it's kind of flipped a little bit. So, yeah, I mean, like you said, I mean, Colorado, um, maybe the Rangers, uh, Edmonton, obviously, certainly Edmonton. I mean, yeah, they're they're cream of the crop. So those three, I mean, Dallas is pretty Ar- good. Yeah, arguably Vegas. I mean, probably Vegas. fairly comparable. Yeah, but these are all top. These are all top teams in the league, yeah. right? And um, and yeah, like the Bruins. I mean, look, when you have a 60, 60 plus goal scorer in David Pasternak, you have a top. I mean, it's subjective, but, you know, definitely a top 10 defenseman in the NHL, but top five in Charlie McAvoy, if you're talking all around player, one, you know, around there, you know, he, 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 need, he needs to, he needs to improve his game offensively. I think that's, everybody knows that uh, he, he's, he's great defensively. He plays with snarl, but when he was at BU and I, and look, I understand it's, it's college hockey and not, not the NHL, but when he was at BU, you know, he he certainly had a little bit more of a playmaking to his game on on the power play, and he kind of ran that power play there. Um, well, I know Matt Grizzlick was there, but I think when Grizzlick graduated, McAvoy kind of took over that first unit. But in in any event, that, that's that's so long ago. We've seen McAvoy do it at the NHL level too. He needs to do it more consistently. He's got to shoot the puck more, and and he just has to spearhead that power play at the top of the umbrella. Um, Marshand, obviously, he's 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 a top player in this league. So yeah, the talent's there. Ben Reemsdyke is the premier net front guy in the power play. And Zaka, you know, Zaka still needs to prove himself a little bit, obviously, but yeah, the talent's there, so it, ha- it has to pick up. I'm sure it will. Um, I don't want to go too far without you having a rebuttal on that, Scott. But there was a player I wanted to bring up as well. Yeah, I mean, I think you're 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 right on McAvoy, and and look, McAvoy had three assists last night. So you know, if we're talking about his offense, like, right? Overall, that was that like that was a really solid game. He's He's actually now top five among defensemen in, in assists this season. He's up to six. Um, and, you know, they did score a power play goal. It was it was a little bit of a fluky one, right? Like, Pasternak basically whiffs on a one-timer, but heals it perfectly for Charlie Coyle to tap in. Um, you know, and, and they're clearly still trying to figure some things out, though. You, you know, McAvoy, yes, shooting more. Also, I feel like they still haven't totally gotten used to Zaka being in the bumper instead of Bergeron. And, um, you know, I was at morning skate yesterday and they, they don't do it. You know, you can't do like a ton of practice at morning skate, but one thing they were focusing on yesterday was the power play. And uh, specifically like in practice, you could see them running a lot through Zaka, like quick passes in and then out in a different direction. And you could tell like they're trying to trying to get a better handle on like how how it works with him there and, and the plays they can run. And obviously it's just it's different in a game. Everything's moving faster. You're facing a different defense other than your teammates in practice. Uh so that's still gonna take some time. I think the you know, it was interesting last night. We saw Coyle get some net front time with the top power play unit and Part of that is 
you know, if it's Van Riemsdyk out there, Zaka's your only face-off guy. He's the only center on the top unit. Whereas if Coyle's out there, you can use him on face-offs as well. Um, you know, especially depending on where the draw is and what kind of play you're trying to set up. Cause obviously he's, he's a righty versus Zaka lefty. And, and you actually did that last power play I was talking about. You actually did see that cost them to start. They ended up having a good power play anyways, but they started with their regular top unit with Van Riemsdyk out there. Zaka got kicked out of the faceoff dot. It ends up being Van Riemsdyk who takes it, who's not a center, not a faceoff guy. And he loses it and the Ducks get that immediate clear that just kills 20 seconds right off the bat. So that's also going to be something to watch is, you know, how much they, they want to mix coil in, whether it's, whether it's because they, maybe they just think, you know, he gives a different look than JVR does at the net front, or if it is because of the faceoffs. Has Pablo Zaka's game in general through the first month of the season so far, has, has it raised any questions for you about if he actually can be a, a top two center? Uh, point production wise because again last year we mentioned his 58 points i believe but a lot of that was obviously on the wing with Krejci as the center so as a centerman um and it's so early dare i say way too early to even ask this question um but i'm just asking through you know the first month of the season so far he seems to be playing fine but some there, there are some players where they play well but the points don't follow um do we think it's potential potential that he could be one of those players or is it just one of those, it's a matter of time before the, the points start piling for him? Well, I think the points are going to come for him because I think he's been playing pretty good hockey. He, obviously right now he's on a very talented line with Pasenak and Marshand. Um, and I, I see him, you know, for the most part doing enough making plays to help create offense that, I think the points are almost inevitably going to follow, but I guess we can't fully assume that yet, right? Like we're, he's had one really good offensive season last year, 58 points, but that was 24 more than he had in any season before that. And I know he wasn't in as good of a situation, but it, you know, there are players you look around the league who have a one year spike and then kind of go back to what they were before. So we can't totally rule that out that, hey, you know, maybe we look back and last year was his spike and he never got back there. I I don't think that's going to happen. I think he's going to be okay. But, you know, it is still early. So, like, we have to actually see it first. Yeah, I would would agree with you. And, you know, I like Pavel Zaka. It's – I know he's capable of scoring in this league. He did it last year like we talked about. Um, as a center iceman, it's a different, it's a bit of a different question. So like, I'm, I, I think he's going to be fine. He's certainly a top, I think he's at the very least a, t- a number two center in this league. Um, and that's, you know, the way Matt Potter has been playing, um, that's really what they'll probably need him to be long-term. And I, that's probably a good segue in Scott, um, going to be a bit of a shorter episode today. Cause you have to head yeah. over to practice. Just one, one quick last thing on Zaka. I, I definitely do want to see him shoot more right now. He has. 11 shots on goal through seven games. Like that, that's got to go up. Um, thinking especially like last night, he's, he's on a breakaway and he like slows down and passes over to Pasternak trailing the play, which on the one hand, it's like, okay, I get it. David Pasternak's a 60 goal scorer and you, you know, you want to put the puck on a stick, 
but you're on a breakaway. Like I, I want to see Pavel Zaka attack aggressively and try to score there. Um, it just seemed like a play where it was like he had his mind made up beforehand that he's trying to get it to Pasternak. And, mm. you know, he's got to, he's got to be a little, he's got to be more aggressive and more selfish in that situation, especially, but also in other situations. Yeah. And he knows that on paper because you asked him about that on the podcast uh, at one point yep. and uh, going into the season, he, he, he mentioned that you actually alluded to the fact, like when you have somebody like that in your wing, it's easy to defer to them. So, and so he knows that, but knowing it and acting upon that in, in NHL game situations is a different story. So yeah, he has to improve on that. Um, quickly, Scott, let's do who's up, who's down. I'll go first with who's up and I'm going to speak for both of us here. Then I'll just say the obvious. I mean, Matt Potra's up. Um, you know, he's got, you know, he's fifth on the team in scoring five points in his first seven NHL games, three goals, two assists, plus four, one game winning goal. And last night against Anaheim, I mean, Scott, that, that puck possession, puck protection, edge work and vision on that, what ended up becoming a Matt Grizzly goal was, it wasn't just like, oh, he's like, like one of the most dynamic skater it looks like on the Bruins. Like that was like elite NHL edge work. Like the way he like, you know, stops and keeps going. Like it looks like he's changing direction. I mean, go back and watch that play listeners. If you, if you, if you didn't see it, but, or, or you did see it, but you want to watch it again. And the, the edge work is amazing there, Scott and, and his vision. Yeah. It's, it's Marsha and S get times when he gets twisting and turning and cutting back. Um, it's just it's really hard for a defender to to keep up with that and to get on top of him. He's he's so good at at creating that separation in tight spaces. Um, so yeah, clearly up and you know now through through seven games of this nine game sample, and I think we all agree he's he's not going anywhere. But yeah, just game after game, it's you know even if he goes through a stretch where he's quiet for a period or a few shifts. All it takes is like that one chance with the puck on his stick for him to, to do something. And that's like for a Bruins team that's, you know, lost so much offense, like that's what you need. You need guys who can make things happen with just one chance with the puck on their stick. Like, yeah, the Bruins want to be this offensive grinding puck possession style, score some dirty goals. And that's great. They do need to be that, but you also need creative offensive playmakers who can make things happen out of the blue. And Matt Potra already at 19 years old is proving to be that. Yeah. I mean, I'm just, I'm just picturing him at 25. I mean, the way he it's again, he's 19. He's, it's very impressive. Uh, do we have another up Scott or, or do we have a couple of downs we just want to get to uh, quickly? I mean, I'd say David Pasternak who scores again uh, on Thursday and is, up to six goals now, right back among the league leaders, um, you know, four assists as well. So 10 points through seven games He's a plus six. Like, you know, I mentioned that failed clear and I know there's certain, certain people who are just going to pounce on that and, you know, ignore everything else, but um, not surprising, obviously at all that Pasenak's off to a good start, but um you know, the, the Bruins need it. Like they need their stars to be stars and he has been so far. Agreed. Uh, so quickly on a down, I'll go first. If you, and again, points aren't everything at all, but I think this is just a microcosm of the whole picture so far this year. 
Jesper Boquist, one game played, zero points. Patrick Brown, four games played, zero points. Jacob Loco, six games played, zero points. Hampus Lindholm, seven games played, zero points, minus one. I only listed the players above him because those are the only four players in the Bruins yet to register a point, and clearly one of them sticks out much more than the others. Um, look, having no points in the first seven games of the season as a defenseman, you know, it's not like it's the end of the world. Again, I know he's a defenseman, not a forward. Granted, Hampus Lindholm does provide offense. I just think that he just hasn't been involved nearly enough. And I think that the zero points dash one in seven games kind of just like illustrates that from a quick snapshot perspective. It hasn't been all bad. He's had his moments, but he has not been the player they need him to be um, on what we believe to be a, a team that's going to pride themselves on structure and defense. Again, he's been okay at times, but he's supposed to be one of their leaders, one of their best players. And through the first month of the season thus far, he has not been that player for them. Yeah, and you know, I've I've been the the Lindholm defender even when the points aren't there. And I do still think, you know, for the most part, especially him and Carla together, like they've been a solid pairing. They're not giving up a lot. They're still in, in as a as a pairing, they're in the plus on the season in terms of they've been on the ice more goals for than against. But yeah, Hampus Lindholm should be a player who's doing more than defending well and, you know, coming out slightly above 50%. Like at some point you need the offense and you combine these seven games, you look back at the playoffs where he had zero points and, you know, it's, it's got to change. I think you've seen flashes of him getting involved offensively, pinching in. I mentioned, you know, the power play chance he had driving hard to the net, but yeah, you know, zero points through seven games just isn't, like that's not acceptable for him. No matter, no matter what the other parts of his game are, you, you need the Bruins need more offense from the back end period, and he's a big part of that. We we know he's capable of of a lot more than this. So, um, you mentioned my down. Uh, you just mentioned some of these guys when you were listing it off, but I would say the fourth line for for a couple of reasons. One, the main one being there, two thirds of the line is injured. Uh, Milan Lucic is now out for two weeks or at least two weeks. Jim Montgomery said multiple weeks. Uh, Jacob Lauco, in addition to the cut from the skate, actually suffered a facial fracture as well. So he's out at least a week. He's going to be reevaluated next week. Um, So you get Jesper Boquist and Patrick Brown in there. And, you know, I didn't, I didn't think they were bad or really even noticeable in any way until Patrick Brown takes a late penalty for holding that the Bruins technically get the kill, but the ducks score the goal to cut it to three, two right after the power play expires. So that was costly. Um, You know, they're, they're just kind of piecing this together with uh, you know, with glue right now, like, so it's going to be hard to judge for a while, but I also wonder like, do you sign Danton Heinen at some point? It's it's bizarre to me that like this is still hanging out there. He he took morning skate yesterday on the fourth line. And usually how you line up in morning skate is how you line up for a game. But the day goes on and still no deal, and he doesn't play Thursday. So we'll see if something happens there. But, um, you know, at some point, like you mentioned all those guys who have zeros on the season. 
Johnny Beecher had a great chance for his first NHL goal Thursday night and a wide open net on a shorthanded chance and he hit the post. But, you know, at some point, like, you got to get some offense from your fourth line again. Like, similar with him, you know, you expect more from Hamish Lindholm, obviously, but it's, you know, at some point, just being like solid defensively or whatever isn't good enough. Like, everyone's got to pitch in offensively. And so far, the Bruins have not gotten much out of their fourth line. All right, Scott, let's get you to Warriors so you can get to practice. Uh, we have a fun one tomorrow night, Bruins and Red Wings at the Garden. Uh, both teams off to a great start. Uh, Detroit in particular, is, their offense is on fire. So um, original six matchup, the Bruins will be wearing those special third jerseys this year, um, which are pretty beautiful. So that'll be a nice jersey matchup, Scott. And, um, and, yeah, so thank you all for listening. We will talk very soon.